Hello boys and girls, ladies and gents, and I can't think of any other synonyms to go with that. Welcome back to Mountains and Valleys. Thank you guys for tuning in, and wow, what a busy, busy, busy week. But I feel like I say that every week. So when I say that, I think I mean that as a positive thing. So first, first, first order of business. Um, we are, I am actually, or we, I, whatever, however you want to say it, we are now selling shirts of the Mountains and Valleys logo, and I want you guys to be able to be a part of that. So, here comes the details on a shirt, so listen very carefully, if you will. We are selling Mountains and Valleys t-shirts, and what is the t-shirt, what is on the t-shirt, is a basic t-shirt, kind of just, it's a short sleeve basic t-shirt, and it has the Mountains and Valley logo on it. And it is available in five colors, and those colors are charcoal, maroon, indigo, green, and cardinal. And how much are they, you ask? They're only $12, and I don't know if that, I don't think that does not include shipping price, but at most probably $14 or $15 um, altogether. So what are they? $12 shirts, and they come in five different colors, and they come in all available sizes. And you're probably wondering, well, Mark, where can I get that shirt? I actually kind of want one. I mean, it's a cheap price. It's a, it's a unique shirt with a unique design that has a unique meaning to you. Well, that's a mouthful. Where can you get this shirt? And you got to get them fast because they're only going to be here for a few more days after this podcast episode is released. So where do you go to get the shirts? You got two options. Option number one is you can go to a nice website called bonfire.com and they should have a little search tab open up and you search for mountains and valleys logo you look and you look for that shirt and you will find it and that's one way of doing it option number two of how to buy these shirts or where to go um or where to go to find them is you can go to my instagram and there should be a link in my bio and it should say something like um, bonfire.com slash mountains and valleys um, something like that so basically there's a link in my instagram bio on my page you just click that link and it'll send you straight to the little shopping place where you can buy um where you can buy the shirt. Now what's my Instagram you ask? It is preacher underscore mark. That is preacher underscore mark. Or if you want to use the Mountains and Valleys Instagram, you can go to M V Podcast. That is the letter M, the letter V, and the word podcast. And Whichever Instagram profile you go to, the link will be found there, and you can get your Mountains and Valleys Logos t-shirt today. Woo! Like I said, hurry up. It's a limited time. Alright, so, welcome to today's episode, and this is actually, I've actually taught this lesson before. I actually taught, or what I'm going to speak on today, I actually already taught it at my church, but I thought it was like so good that maybe I'll teach on it again, plus I wanted to get another episode out there. Maybe if the week looks good, um, I have a Thanksgiving break coming up, or I should have the holiday, the holiday like season slash vacation, so I should have more free time. Maybe I can crank out an additional episode somewhere in the midst. We'll see. So today we're going to be talking about thankfulness, which is I would not, I don't, I don't know if I'd say perfect timing, but um, I mean we're entering the season of 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 um thankfulness and reflecting because you know you have thanksgiving coming up you got christmas coming up and 
And if you want to, I guess you can go ahead and throw in New Year's in some odd way if you want to. But sure, basically, you just got the holiday season coming up. And I really think this is a time, or I, yeah, I really do believe this is a time where we reflect a lot. And we do most of our reflecting during this time. And so I was kind of thinking through this, like, oh yeah, thankfulness. Like, And the more I thought about it, I was like, I think God really calls us to be thankful. And He wants us to be thankful. And I don't think that is out of Him, you know, being... Oh, so I'm looking for. I don't think he's being like over the top or or dramatic by or by asking or wanting us to be thankful. I think it's rightfully so. Everything that God does for us, I think it's he's totally fair to ask us to thank him or just be thankful in general. And thankfulness is a very, I think it's a very healthy habit and routine to have. I think if you kind of think about it, you know. I'm pretty sure we've all gotten that gift we didn't want. Someone hands to her, ah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, Grandma. I don't know if I really want that sweater. I mean, sweaters aren't my type, Grandma. But you take it anyways with a smile on your face and you say thank you, Grandma, even though you may not like it. But you say thank you because you know you appreciate that you appreciate her and you respect her. And I think that's a just a, a good healthy habit because then at the end of the day, I think you can lay your head down and, and be glad that you did that. And so just kind of looking through his thankfulness is found in scripture. Um, First Chronicles 16.34 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Amen and amen. Um, you, can even look in, or you can even look in the New Testament, which Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's a, and that really spoke to me that always part because it'll, it'll kind of dive into what I'm talking to today, talking about today. And when Paul wrote that, he really meant always. But part of me is kind of geared towards thinking that Paul wrote that because we try to be oh, be thankful for the good things. But I think Paul's daringly and, and boldly saying, be thankful for the bad things too. And and I'm not saying pray for and just look forward to the bad things coming but definitely just be thankful that those bad times can build us up and build our characters and our testimony we also have thankfulness in our daily sayings or at least ones i could think about in the american church or the churches i've been in and some of those sayings are you know we say you know there's a simple one saying just thank thank you god just thank God. Like that's, that's a simple, basic, um, expression. I think we have of thankfulness, whether it's meant towards God or not. And the next one is a lot of people, I think you hear this a lot in graduation speeches, perhaps maybe, you know, hall of fame speeches for like, you know, rock and roll hall of fame, um, wrestling, football, soccer, whatever, you know, a lot of them will say, I, I am blessed or they say I've been blessed or I am, you know, stuff like that. There's basically recognizing that they have blessings in their life and I think that's awesome. I would dare say the most or the most popular um verbal expression we have of thankfulness is saying God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Which obviously if you're in a church setting I would be here saying God is good and the whole sanctuary would respond saying all the time, which don't get me wrong, I love doing that little um, chant or, hab- or 
habit of thankfulness. I love doing the whole God is good all the time because sometimes a pastor will just slip it in a message just to make sure you're paying attention. I, that's just me, though. I'm a creature of habit some days. Not all days, but some days. So, you know, we talk about this thankfulness, and it's, it kind of gets you in a jittery, good, positive mood. And I think it should. Like, thankfulness is awesome because, yes, God is good, and, yes, He deserves all the praise, and all the praise be to Him, and He deserves all the thanks. But we tend to only be thankful when things are going good. The kingdom rhythm of thankfulness is not conditional. It is to be unconditional. We should always be thankful no matter the circumstances around us. It's so funny. We say we're thankful. We say we're blessed. We say thank you God. But our chant of God is good can so easily become a broken whisper, a broken cry of, is God good? We ask the question of, is God a good God? And today I really want to tackle this question. This is the question I'm running after today. How can we be thankful in the fallout of tragedy? How can we be thankful to God and see Him as good despite the fallout of our tragedy? And so when I was looking through, when I was kind of going through this, I was like thinking to myself like, oh, what will work? where in Scripture kind of look like? I, I, I don't know a Bible character that may, be, that may be fit this description of tragedy. And I was so blind and so foolish that I missed... I would dare say that that almost the MVP when it comes to tragedy, of course, probably aside from Jesus, but nonetheless, in the Old Testament, I think this guy takes the trophy. He takes the cake, champ, all right? So the story of Job came, came to mind, and I think this was a man who understood the full magnitude. You know, we, we talk about life is full of highs and lows, and I really think that Job really could have understood that to the fullest magnitude possible. And so if you were like listening to this and you'd like to get your Bible app out or an actual Bible, or you just like to listen and like to know where this come from, listen up, my good friend. We got a lot to go through, so I just suggest getting a nice refreshment like water, because water's good for you. Um, perhaps a snack, um, goldfish perhaps, I don't know, I've been, lot, I've been eating a lot of goldfish lately, but just make sure, make yourself comfortable, because we are about to go on a train ride into the book of Job. So, starting from Job chapter 1, 1 through 3, it's, and um, yeah, and so it says, in the land of, of Uz, there lived a man who, whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. And he had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. So Job here... It's, it's stated in the Bible, and we'll see it later on, where even God himself declares this, that 
Job was a righteous man who loved and feared God. That that's important to know that. And Job, and let's just talk about his position. What what did Job have? What Job honestly was living the life at this point. He owned over ten thousand animals that brought him tons of business and plenty of livelihood, and he had plenty of workers on hand to help him out. So he was really thriving in the business field. But he was also thriving, I would dare say, in his family as well, or at least I, I, I yeah, I would say he was he was very thriving in his family as well because he had seven sons and three daughters. That's a big family. And Job, from you know, reading throughout the book, he's a big, big, big family guy. And so that's awesome. He's living the life and he also has a wife too, by the way. So he has a wife, he has Seven sons and three daughters, like, awesome. That is amazing. Job is on the top of the world, brother. He was on Mount Everest of all praise. But the story does continue from here. So, continuing Job chapter 1, verse 6. It says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And this is kind of what, what um, and Satan kind of rebuttals. He says, Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well. Everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. And so what's going on here? What's going on? What's going on? So the two main points to take away from this is that God does declare that Job is a righteous man who fears and loves God. God confirms that 100% locks it in. And of course, like I said, Job has this amazing life, all these materialistic things, but also like the home life going for him. But Satan makes an accusation towards Job indirectly, well, because Job's not there, but he basically makes this accusation of he believes that Job is only thankful to God because everything is going so well. So he makes a claim, almost like a, a hypothesis. He says, God, if you were to take away all those things from Job, or well, or at least give Satan the ability to take it all away, he says, if you took all those things away from Job, he says, then he would curse you, God. That's Satan. He's, he, he believes that Job is not thankful unconditionally. He believes that Job, that Job is only thankful on uh, specific terms. And so now I'm kind of I'm going to kind of get into like an overview of what happens next. And so for, for after this conversation that between um, the Lord and Satan, so we kind of see in the rest of chapter one of uh, uh, four servants come running to Job in the rest of the chapter. The first servant comes running Job saying, Job, Job, Job. Your oxen and your donkeys are gone. I think they I think they were kidnapped, but I just kind of, yes, yeah, gone because I wasn't too clear on whether that meant they were killed or they were just kidnapped. I don't know. But basically, he's like, he's a like, Job, your oxen and your donkeys are gone, which 
that's already like a big hit in his business. But then immediately before that guy can finish, you know, telling the new, all the news to Job, a second guy runs in and says, Job, Job, all of your sheep are gone. And before even that guy can finish, a third servant comes in and he says, Job, all the camels are gone. And, you know, this is wild. Thinking about one after another, like this was not like, Weeks apart, months apart. This was literally mere seconds apart from happening from one uh, from each other. And Job's already just lost his business within a matter of minutes, if not seconds. He lost his livelihood, which that's big. But I would dare say what happens next is the biggest loss that Job faces in this part. Because at, when the third servant is speaking, a fourth one comes in. And this fourth one brings the worst news possible to Job. He says, Job, your sons and daughters are dead. That's, that's tragedy. If you want the definition of tra tragedy, I think we just got it. Yes, you can take away his business, you can take away his animals, his livelihood... That's fine, I think. And I think Job would have, would have learned some, some way, somehow to adjust. But then the fourth guy runs in and just says, Job, your, your sons and your daughters are dead. These children that you loved and that you raised are dead. That's heartbreaking, broken, unfathomable tragedy. But Job's response is its just, I, I just got to give it to you. Job responds in this way. The Lord gave, he, he, he says this, his response, his verbal, his verbal usage towards God is this. After all this happens, this is what Job has to say towards God and toward the people. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. So instead of cursing God, ver you know, cursing God, and and blaming God, saying God, this is your fault, God, what, or saying God, you are not a good God. Instead, Job just looks at God, and, and he is still giving these, giving thanks. He's giving thanks. He's still verbally, and probably in his heart, he's also just giving thanks to God. In, the, in a way, because he's saying, the Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's still saying, God is still good. God is still good. I can hold on to that. Thank you, God, for still being good. Thank you for being a good God. Which is mind-blowing. But, of course, we all have skeptics out there. And we're like, okay, maybe Job was just this extremely, extremely, extremely amazing guy. And he was able to get through this. Well... I hate to tell you guys, but this is not the end for Job for at this moment. If you go over to Job chapter 2, starting at verse 4, it says, And Satan right here is talking with God. He said, Skin for skin, Satan replied, A man who, who a man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, 
Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife came out saying to him, Are you maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. So here we have, like Job wasn't hit hard enough. He's hit even harder, putting more, he put putting salt in the wound for say. And now his personal health is affected. So I can't imagine the mental war games going on, the spiritual war going on in Job's life right now. But now he's physically becoming fragile and weak. Like It's almost like this man hasn't took enough. But yet, despise all this, and even his own wife saying, curse God and die, his own wife kind of turns on him in some way. Job still, this is how Job replies in verse 10. You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? If I, if you're reading in your Bible or you go and read later, I definitely recommend you highlight this part. Job responded saying, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Shall we not thank God for the good? Or he's also saying, Shall he's a I think in another way he's also saying, We thank God for the good, so why can we not thank God for the bad? We thank God in the good times, so why can we not thank God in the bad times? I think Job's making a proclamation here to his wife and almost to himself saying, I will accept the good and bad from God and I will still give thanks. He's, he's saying, good or bad, God is good. Good or bad, God loves me. Good or bad, God has a plan for me. And that's just amazingly powerful. But if that was not enough, Job then almost, he kind of, has to deal with his three friends because after this happens, if, if you kind of look in the bottom part of Job chapter 2, you see that Job's three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zephar, um, they came to him and they're basically just going to conversate with Job for the next um, multiple, multiple, multiple chapters. They're having this huge conversation between them. So chapters 3, so chapter, chapter 3 through chapter 37 is conversations between Job and the three friends. They basically believe, and, well, there's a lot of, like, kind of interesting stuff to read there. Most of their conversation is almost like rhetorical questions that maybe probably should be statements at times, but it's all good. But anyways, their basic message or driving point towards Job is that they, they believe that Job should turn his back on God, or... That may be a little bit far, that may be a little bit, because when you read it, it's kind of hard to really interpret the specific meaning. But I would dare say, like, they're kind of basically telling Job, like, oh, well, you deserve this. They're saying, you must have done something. But I think they're also telling Job that kind of almost the same thing as Job's wife. You just need to curse God and die, Job. Like, there's no hope for you, Job. God's done with you, Job. You messed up somewhere. You're done, Job. They're basically just trying to get Job to believe that he, that, you know, he has no hope that 
It's not going to get better, and he's just better off cursing God and dying. He's better off being unthankful towards God in this tragedy. They questioned the goodness of God and questioned the heart of God in this. And you can't even imagine Job's mind is probably scrambled. He just wants peace and quiet. But he's not even offered that here. So if you move on to, if you look on to chapters, if you look on to chapters 38 through 41, God finally steps in. And the way, in the kind of way it, 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 uh, it says that God steps in is really cool to me because it didn't just say God, the Lord spoke. It says, the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. I like that nice add-on at the end, out of the storm. So in the midst of this tragedy, God didn't abandon Job. God spoke into Job's life. And I think we can feel that on a personal level too. We're going through tragedy and we're saying, God, where are you, God? And God is able to speak right into us even while we're broken and questioning things. And basically the whole point of this, of these uh, few chapters is God is proving to Job that he is all-powerful and that he is all-knowing and that he is all-truth. Because he's saying, Job, do you not know who created you? Job, do you know who made the measurements of the earth? Job, do you not know do you not know um, who put the hairs on your head? Job, don't you know that I made you? Job, don't you know that I care for you? Job, don't you know that everything you had was from me and the blessings you had poured out from me? So he's basically just trying to hammer home to Job because you know Job is in this I, he's in a state not maybe not of doubt but of questioning of perhaps why this happened. He's still thanking God, but he does have the question of why this happens. God is saying, Job, do you know who you are? Don't listen to your friends. I do have a plan for you. If I can create the whole un- if I can create the universe in seven days, if I can make these measurements on the earth, if I can create people like you, Job, don't you think I also have a, a future for you, Job? And I think it's awesome that God really, really drives him to the point that he cares for Job. And so what happens after this is really an amazing thing. And I'm just going to read the entirety of chapter 42, so brace yourselves. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful, too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had um, had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And it goes on. I think it might be getting a cold. <laughs> In verse 7 it says, After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you accordingly to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my jo- as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zephar did what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Verse 10. 
After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. And I'm going to stop it right there. Or at least for now. So here you have, Job went through this tragedy. He lost everything. But yet he never cursed God. He still said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thank you, God, for all that you've done. Thank you for being good. Job still believed that God was a, was still a good God. But I think the cool thing to me about this is that God did not just restore what Job had lost. If you read, read closely, it says, The Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. So the Lord did not only restore Job what he lost, he gave Job even more. He blessed Job's life more than before. I would dare say that the life that Job is going to, or the life that Job lived after this moment, after God restored and gave more to Job, Job's life was better than what, than what it was before the tragedy. I would even boldly proclaim and state that Job would never want to go back to the life he had before the, all this tragedy. I think he is embarking on the adventure of his best life ever after the tragedy. And, how, and why do I say that? If you just look at the end, you know, well, verse 12 says, The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. So that's saying Job's, you know, kind of second half, the, the half after all this tragedy strikes, that Job's life gets way better after the tragedy, and his life has never been this good before. But I think what really is evident to me is that at the, at the end of Job, it's in, the, in verse 17, the end of Job, the very, very, very last verse in the whole book of Job, it says, And so Job died an old man and full of years. Usually when like a Bible character dies, it just says they died an old man or old woman and they lived to be this many years, which it does state that in the beginning of this paragraph, but it usually ends on that and they died at this age or they lived this many years. But notice for Job, it says, and so Job died an old man and full of years. I think that's meant to, to just speak life to us that Job lived a, a life full or lived years full of life full of joy he experienced all this and and i would dare say it's because he was thankful in the tragedy yes job maybe never got the answer of why and maybe sometimes we don't always get the answers of why but we do know this and let me get into this before i speak on that look at i mean I kind of the reason why I, I, th- I thought about tragedy and being thankful in tragedies. I mean, just look what's going on around us. You had eleven people killed in the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. You had twelve people killed in Thousand Oaks, California, and I think now we're up to at least thirty, or at least the time that I'm recording this, up to thirty people dead from the fires in California. And this is the next one is a, a statistic, but it's one I've just been noticing a lot is that teenagers are dropping off left and right due to numerous things. Texting and driving, ODing, um, drug, or, yeah, drugs, maybe alcohol, um, I don't know. There's tons of things. Suicide, that, that's another one. I just see a lot of teenagers dying off for, from a lot of things. 
and this there's just like been a lot of deaths lately and th those are only and not to undermine these deaths or these killings but that doesn't even include the people who are injured or i i mean i haven't even got that's not even me going into detail about the trauma and the stress that family get that the families get to face now i mean just imagine going being at the thanksgiving dinner table or even or maybe at christmas and you know one of your family members isn't there anymore I can't imagine that. Like that's that's tragedy to me, and there's been tragedy all across the world, all across the U.S. recently. And I've been seeing tragedy cross, or tragedy rise up here in my own hometown. So my question is, how do we recover? How how in the world can we still be thankful in this tragedy? I'll be honest, I struggle to give a solid answer of why God allows the things He does. Maybe I, maybe you read the, the story of Job and you say, why did God allow Satan to even do that? I can't always give a solid answer for everything. I've seen tragedy, I hear the hurts, and I know the pains of life. And I myself personally... I th or not even just me, but I think a lot of us can say that we've lost many things in our lifetime. For me, in the short lifespan that I've had so far, I feel like I've lost a lot of battles. Especially last year, I feel like I've lost a lot. I blamed God. I hated God. I never thanked God. I blamed Him for this tragedy, for allowing it to happen. And I'll be honest with you, it ate me alive doing that. It didn't hurt anyone but me. And I was wrong to do that. Because God is a good God. I may not understand His decisions for what He allows and what He doesn't allow. But I do know that He loves me. And He has a plan for me. And He has a plan for you as much as me. And during, But during that time where I was in a dark place, I read Job's story. And Job was someone in my mind, or at least at that time, I, I really thought Job should have cursed God and died. I was just like the friends and the wife. I was like, Job, just curse God and die, man. Just be done with it. Yet Job, this broken man, is in the midst of this tragedy. He insisted on praising God. Can I be honest with you? That shook me and my faith to the core. I Here I am, blaming and hating God, all because a best friend doesn't want to talk to me anymore, or just because I, I, I felt called to move churches, or because I lost friend groups, or because I wasn't having the happiest days of my life, or I felt lonely at times, I had depressed anxiety, and my problems seemed so small compared to Job's, and here I am blaming God and hating God, but here Job is with problems that are greater than mine, and sorrows that are far more impactful than mine. And he's saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. The Lord is, blessed be the name of the Lord. He's basically just saying, despite everything he's going to going through, even though, despite his, his tragedy being worse than the tragedies I've faced in my life, Job still says, praise be the Lord. Job still thanks God unconditionally.
I think one way Job was able to do that was that Job understood one thing about God. Even all these crazy things going on, things Job didn't understand. Job didn't know why he was losing things that were close to him and things that meant the most to him. Job didn't understand why his personal health had to suffer. Even though he was being a godly man, he didn't understand why he was under attack. But Job understood one thing. And this one thing got him through it all. And this one thing is what kept him just thanking God and praising God. Is that Job understood that God loved him. Yes, this tragedy was striking left and right, left to right hook, uppercut right towards Job's face. But Job still knew that God loved him. Job realized that he still had it all. Even though he lost it all, Job knew deep down within that he still had it all because God was still there watching over him. Job could hold and Job had a relationship with God and because of that relationship he knew that things would get better he knew that things were going to get better better either here on earth or in heaven because Job knew God in his heart Job knew that there was going to be a better day Job knew that his today does not define his tomorrow Job knew these things he knew that it was going to get better because he knew, the, he knew God. He knew the Father. And he knew things were going to get better, either on earth or in heaven. And I think, and after all was said and done, it was important to know that God blessed Job more than before. If you're struggling with a tragedy, if you're struggling with the death of a loved one, or you're dealing with depression, anxiety, loneliness, greed, envy, anger, rage, just not understanding, being lost. I just want to call you to a silence right now and listen to the sound of my voice. Not because I feel like I'm speaking, but because I feel the Spirit is trying to speak through me, and I hope it is, and I hope I'm right on that acclaim. Look back to the promises that God made in the Bible. Look back to the covenants. Look back to those. Just look back to the promises and just know and look throughout the Bible and know that all those promises came true. Know that every single promise that God made was upheld 100% and God never broke a promise. And God, even when, even when Israel, even when the people of Israel were in the darkest of days, God still kept His promise. And because of that, they were able to have hope and they were able to soldier through all the tragedy they had to face. We can be thankful knowing that the bad moments cannot last forever because a better day is coming. As simple as this sounds, it's simplistic, it's simple. When we see life hitting the world or the home around us hard, we just gotta believe. It's not easy. Yes, there, there will be suffering, there will be pain, there will be sorrow. They'll be questioning, but but listen here, but listen, 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 listen to this. There will be suffering, there will be pain, there will be sorrow, there will be unhappiness, there will be loneliness, there will be anxiety, there will be depression, there will be all these things. But, 
for those that love the Father and know the Father, for those that know the Son and love the Son, for those that love the Spirit and know the Spirit and have the Spirit within them, for those of us that are, um, for those who have all those things within them and inside them and that relationship with the Father, relationship with the Son, relationship with the Spirit, for those that have all those things, there will also be a better day, whether here on earth or in heaven, because we know God is faithful, we know God is true, and we know that God is good all the time. Amen. And for that, knowing that God is good despite all the tragedies I've been through in my life, knowing that God is still good and that God loves me and that God is an anchor, that He is my hope, that my today does not define my tomorrow, that this tragedy may be here now, but it's not here forever, and knowing that God is willing to restore everything and pour out even more blessings than what we had before, Knowing that God just will restore those things and speak life into us through the tragedy. Knowing all these things, I cannot help but say thank you, God. And I hope that whatever you're going through, it's hard. I'm not going to undermine that. But just know that you can still say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Spirit. You can say thank you because you know a better day is coming and you know that your tragedy is there for now but it does not have to define you nor will it ever define you. Your character is going to build up from this because God's got you. God's the anchor of your soul. He's the anchor in the waves. The sea is throwing you side to side. You feel like you're the disciples saying, Jesus, why are you sleeping? Jesus, why aren't you doing anything? You feel like you're in the middle of all this. But Jesus, is, he stands up and he calms the storm and he says, oh, ye of little faith. Trust me. Cross the water. Yes, here I am walking the waters. Will you just trust me? Just trust me. Yes, I understand you have a lot of questions right now. I understand you don't feel like you're loved. I know you understand you feel like the devil's after you. You feel like I'm after you. You're still my son. You're still my daughter. I created you. I knew the plans I had for you before you were even, even in your mother's womb. Will you just look back to the promises I've, I've given before? I've never broke a promise. I, I, I stay true. And I feel like these are just the things that God says to us. He's saying, look back to the promises. Look back to the beginning. You sinned. I didn't have to send my son, but I did because I loved you. And because of that, and I feel like this is just, this is just God speaking to me right now. I feel that God just says, look back to that. Look back. I didn't have to send my son, but... I did because I loved you. I want to restore it. I want to give you more. I don't want to give you what you had before. Just know that I'm good. And and with that being said, I would dare say that also that God is just good. And I just, I want to end this, this episode in the only way I can think. And that's by just saying this. Thank you, God, for being a good God. Thank you, Lord, for being my rock and my shield. Thank you, Jesus, for being my rod and my staff and for comforting me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. 
and blessed be your name who gives and takes away.